Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs, and I'm so glad to be here. I hope you're having a great June so far. What a fun month, man. We are having the best time. I think you're going to love today's conversation because we do talk about that a lot. We talk about fun. But first, as a reminder, the music in the background is from our sweet friend, Ellie Holcomb. Her album, Red Sea Road, is a must-have for your summer and for your life. So I hope you will grab that. Something I'm trying to remember to do on the regular is tell you what I'm reading and what I'm listening to, because you guys keep asking me that on internet, on internet, the internet, (laughs) on Instagram, Twitter. And so what I'm reading, I just finished John Mark Comer's God Has a Name, and it is Wow. It is wow. You know, I'd started it before we got to talk to him on the podcast, but I just finished it. Absolutely loved it. And I think you will as well. And I am listening to, now listen, I'm just a country music fan, y'all. I love it. I love country music. So I am currently listening to Brett Young. He will break your heart, you guys. I don't even know. I don't know how long it's been since you've been dumped, but... But if you need some of that music, he has got it for you. (laughs) But uh, also, it just is really fun, uplifting. And he's on the road this summer and this fall with my pals, Lady Annabellum. And so I hope you'll go out and see one of their shows. Kelsey Ballerini, Brett Young, and Lady A will be out touring. And I will be popping into some of those shows as well, as best my schedule allows me, because they are the most fun. I hope you will go as well and see them. I'm getting really excited because coming up in just a few weeks is our That Sounds Fun weekend. If you have not gotten your tickets yet, what are you waiting on? It is going to be so fun, and we are close to sold out. Dave Barnes, Eddie Koffeltz, Christy Knuckles, Kelly Bannon, tons of other surprises, Swag Bag, the Grand Ole Opry. It is going to be such a fun weekend, July 28th, 29th, 30th. You can get your tickets by going to AnnieFDowns.com. And look for the That Sounds Fun weekend banner and clicking on that puppy. And it'll take you right to the page to make sure you can get your tickets. Now, I've been trying to have this friend of mine on the podcast for months now. And our schedules are just insane. So finally, Jenny Allen and I got to sit down and chat with each other. And it was just the best. It was so great to catch up, talk about all sorts of fun things. Her new book is called Nothing to Prove. And I had no idea where the concept of the book came from until this conversation. And I think you're really going to find it interesting. The book is nothing to prove. The Bible study is called Proven. And so here is my extra fun conversation with a fellow Enneagram 7, founder of the If Gathering, author, speaker, all around wonderful friend, Jenny Allen. Jenny, I'm so glad to finally get you on the podcast. Oh, Annie, it's so exciting. I, I mean, love- if the people knew how much trauma we went to, through to get this to work. <laughs> yeah, so I don't have a lot of strength when it comes to technology, even though pretty much our whole organization is built around technology. I, I sure. don't understand it. And so I'm sorry. It has been difficult. Girl, it isn't your fault. The other the other week we were I was like twenty minutes late. It was five <laughs> o'clock on like a Thursday. Your computer was dying. I was like, this is just not meant to be. Yep. Yep. You have to trust that sometimes. You have to trust when things go awry. I had recorded with Jessica Turner last year, maybe, and got home and the whole thing hadn't recorded. Oh no. Oh, Jenny. I mean the whole thing. <laughs> oh, so I was like, and Jessica Turner, who did a great job the first time was like, we have to do that again. I was like, we we do. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we literally had to do the whole thing over. Isn't that awful? That's awesome. 
Um, tell me how you feel about springtime in Austin, Texas. Oh, it's just, it's heaven. This is why people live here. Never visit Austin, Texas in July or August because you will, you'll believe you've arrived in hell. I mean, it is yeah. just that hot. But <laughs> any other time of the year, it really is the happiest place to live. So, you know, one of our friends, you know, Curtis Yates, yep. and he, he showed up here. He's from California. And I mean, I think he was just losing his mind. He was like, why do you, li- why does anybody live here? You know, he, could what, not- my, he came in the summer. He came in the, in the summer when it was killer. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. We can't all be 75 degrees all year. <laughs> yeah. Thank oh. you. We're not all Southern California, but here's the good thing about Texas. It's not going to fall off into the Pacific ocean. Hey, there is that. Hey, there is that. Yes. So you've got that going for you. Curtis has great weather, but one of these days yes, yes. it's going to fall off. Yeah. I don't think it will, but I sometimes think it will. Well, you know, it might not happen while we're alive. <laughs> you never right. know. You never know. But I'm not moving there. Let me just say, Jenny, <laughs> I'm not moving there. <laughs> I'll go visit. I'll go visit our friend Danielle Walker. I'll go visit the Yates. I'll go see LA, but I just don't want to fall into the ocean. Don't well, Nashville, me. you've got seasons, girl. Like you have, you had a good snow or a few snows, didn't you? Yeah, we do. We really, do y'all not have four seasons? No. We have two. Oh, you have hot, like two. Hot and less hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a good proper four seasons. I mean, we we really have a fall, we really have a spring, and we really have a summer, and we barely have a winter. I mean, we have a winter, but it is it is not a winter like I mean, like when I go and speak and you know this too, when we go and speak in places like Minnesota or Alaska <laughs> or these places that like they have tires that help them drive on snow. I'm like, yeah, I don't speak your language at all. God bless all people that live in Minnesota. No. <laughs> Have you lived anywhere besides Texas? I lived, I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah. You're an Arkansas cheerleader. I, there was that season of my <laughs> life. Uh, <laughs> but I'm married a Texan. We met at Canicut Camp and we got married so young, Annie, like we were little babies, um, oh, 20, 20, almost 21. Couldn't rent a car. Couldn't drink alcohol. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, that's really funny. Y'all couldn't rent a car, but you ran a life together. Yeah, we were. And and then uh, we lived in Tennessee for a little while, actually, outside of Knoxville. Did you? How come? Why'd y'all live here? Well, he was finishing school because we were so baby young. He played football for a school out there. And then we moved to Little Rock, where I'm from, for a little while. And then we, you know, of course, he got back to Texas as fast as he could. And yeah. so we lived Dallas and, and Austin here. Where are Zach's family? Are they in Dallas? Dallas. Yep. My family's still in Little Rock. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I did not realize that. What's the drive from Little Rock to Dallas? Five hours from Little Rock to Dallas, and it's eight hours from Little Rock to here. So I don't like that. I don't see my family that. We're so close. Eight hours, Jenny. I can't do, like, that's the drive from Nashville to the beach to 30A where all of our friends go. And so it's either like, yeah, like hop in the car and drive down there for eight hours or Southwest will get you there in 45 minutes. Right. And we usually right. pick that option when it's not the whole family. So, Oh, for sure. Do you know, I have friends here. I think I may have told you this before, Jenny. I have, my friend Katie comes to mind, but I've had a couple of friends who will take the 7 a.m. flight on Southwest to Panama City, go to 30A and yeah. lay on the beach all day and take the 7 p.m. flight home. Yes. No. I, Isn't that no, awesome? 
I didn't know you could do that, but we have Southwest here in Austin, Texas, and I'm looking into that right now. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine just going down for the day and coming back? I mean, th- when they do those, like, like there was a time, it's been a few years, but there was a time when you could do Nashville to Panama City for $50. Mm-mm. And so round trip was $108 or something with taxes. Mm-mm. And people did it pretty regularly back then. Well, I have to back say. Back in 30, the olden days. 38 beats Panama City by a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a smidge. <laughs> Unless you are going for the place that has the best airbrush shirts. Okay. And Panama City is going to win. Probably win at. Yes. I yeah, yeah. It's going to win there. Yes. Where does your family vacation? Where do y'all go? Actually, 30A. Almost every do summer you? we were kids when it was still little bitty. Yeah. Uh, we have always gone. We started in Destin when we were, when I was probably in middle school and moved over to Seaside when it kind of showed up and, and we've gone almost every summer since. So what part do y'all, do y'all have like a house that you love? I mean, you don't have to give us the address so that you aren't <laughs> followed by people. So I'm like, Jenny, what week are you there? And what's the address? Yeah. I wish we, we had like our regular place, but we just, you know, it's always different family. Zach's family does it. Sometimes my, my mom and dad, We'll rent the house sometimes. Um, this year is the first year neither of them are that we're actually considering it, but we're we're holding out till the very end to see if we can get a deal or something. Because <laughs> it's fine so expensive. So, but there's that research. I actually asked Facebook this, like, what other great beaches? And they did bring some up that I'd never heard of. In fact, there were some really? regulars. Orange Beach was one. Yeah, um, people talk about Orange Beach a lot. Gold Shores was one, and I've heard that before. Uh, but, but again, I was looking and I was like, it's real hard to beat 38. It's kind of, I should, we shouldn't be advertising for them. It's gotten yeah. too busy. As it is. It's the worst everybody from everywhere. Don't go to 38. <laughs> I mean, for me at this point, I will only go to 38 because all my friends are there. Like I'm not going by myself to the beach most likely, but like this summer I may go for a couple of weeks by myself, but I'm going to go when all my friends are at their houses. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And that is like incredible. You know me, Jenny. I'm like, if I can go on vacation and my friends be on vacation, yes. oh, <laughs> come on. I love it. We can go eat, but I can sleep in my own bed in my own place. Get out of here. It's like the dream vacay. But how much do y'all go to Colorado? Cause your sister has that ranch out there, right? Oh, I really want to go Jenny. Magic. Yeah, so they run a dude ranch called Lost Valley Ranch, and it's out in middle of nowhere. It's out, you know, an hour and a half past west of Denver. And so you fly into Denver, you get on a van, and Annie, we, I will invite you sometime, and it will change your life. It, my, I just took our staff, if gathering out there, and they, it was just the most joyful, amazing experience. We had the best time. It, it is every time people come back, the lions went. Um, I think my friend Lindsay Wheeler went from Bottle of Tears. I think Lindsay went recently. And w- their pictures, it's just incredible. Yeah, it is. It is magical. How, what made your sister do that? Why is she? Did she, like me, grow up watching Hey Dude on Nickelodeon and decided that she wanted to run <laughs> one of those? No, she actually really was a cowgirl at heart. No Nickelodeon brainwashed her. She just was right. born. She was born, a, you know, those girls that love horses. She's one of them. Yeah. And... So, so she, y'all's whole life, she's been like this. Yeah. I mean, she'll get so mad at me for this, but she collected all those Briar horses, you know? Oh, yeah. Of them. And then she also wore Wranglers that were like high-waisted. And at the time, that wasn't cool. It kind of has made a comeback. But um, she wore like Wranglers and a tucked-in starch shirt to, to middle school or to, to elementary school. She says, I think it was middle school. But it was real rough. Like I, I had a hard time with her deep passion. <laughs> 
Where is she fit compared to you? Is she older or younger? She's younger. She's the middle sister. And all three of us, there's three girls, and all three of us are pretty passionate people. Right. <laughs> so none of us are half-hearted about the things we do. And so it was all all horses. So she goes out there and works at this guest ranch in the summer and meets a real cowboy. And my brother-in-law is a real cowboy. Grew up in Oklahoma. You know, there's nothing fake about him. And he... He is, yeah, he's her, her match. And they, they raise five kids. They homeschool out there. Um, oh it's pretty unbelievable. Do you know, I, until Pioneer Woman's Cowboy Josh got married, I was always like, I could marry Cowboy Josh. <laughs> that life looks awesome. He's adorable and she loves him and I get to be friends with Ree, but he found someone else. He, someone else beat me to it. Jimmy. Oh man. But I do love a cowboy life. I think a cowboy life looks awesome. It is awesome. And I can do it. I live in in the wrong place, but. Yes. Although they look like they wear their hats and they wear their boots. There's just. Yeah, totally. But here in Nashville, anybody who dresses like that is faking it. Exactly. (laughs) Their boots are like totally clean. Right. And but because there's just not farms here. There's not big prairies. Prairies. Tumbleweeds. There's no tumbleweeds here, Jenny. Yeah, y'all do. Tumbleweeds I do remember from my days in Tennessee that y'all do say a word. I hope it doesn't appear in Nashville. This is what they said out in East Tennessee. When they, instead of y'all or you guys or you all, I don't know what other people say. We say y'all, and it's very effective in Texas. Yeah, they would say yins. Oh yeah, you know about that word? I don't say that, but I have well, family I have who y'all. says that. You do. So you know that that's yeah, yeah. And that it's a Georgia. Yeah, it, yes. it probably bled down into Georgia too. It's a, I mean, that's a real one. That is a deep pull of Southern culture you got right there. Yeah. Yeah. We did. We lived deep in the heart of Tennessee. <laughs> deep in the holler. What college was Zach at? Carson Newman College. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Jefferson City. Oh, man. Y'all were really back there. Yeah. And he, yeah, we, he, all, you know, he played football. That's how he ended up there. And all the games were out there in the Smokies and, it was really fun. Pretty. Okay, so can we talk about football for a minute? Because your son is looking at Harvard. Well, oh gosh. Well, Harvard's looking at him. Yeah. Well, no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's incredible, Jenny. Well, so I'm learning. He's not big enough to play Division One football, sure. but he is really good and he's smart, and so and his scores are high, and so these Ivy leagues started reaching out and I didn't even know this was a thing, but once you kind of get in there, like they've all been calling. And so <gasps> so he's going to be like Rory Gilmore and kick, pick between like Harvard and Yale. I mean, he didn't like Yale. He did visit and they, they Oh my gosh. He didn't like here's Yale. The thing. Here's the thing. Are about we all. having this conversation? Here's the thing. They have not made an offer. Nobody. Now they're all circling and calling and inviting and he's going to play in front of all of them this summer. But they're just, it's that whole, you know, they've got to make an offer and sure. he's got to figure out how to pay for it. Because we get, give, we have four kids. So we just said, here's your budget for college. And it's paid school tuition because, you know, there's four of them and that feels still right. like so much money. I don't know how we're going to do it. But um, I'm glad we did that. We did that a few years ago. And, and then because I had no idea he'd be looking at these schools, but they, right. um, if they want him bad enough, they can make it happen. So we, we were a long way from this being a reality, but he is. Is what you keep telling yourself. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Called it there, Annie. I, but they haven't offered and we don't, he's got to figure it out financially. I don't want him to go into debt for the foreseeable future for this. I mean, right. I think he's super practical and 
He's a great kid. I like him so you much. Know, that's a real thing that college students have to think about now that I did not have to think about was is the debt factor. Yeah. I went, I mean, I know there's a lot of people in my age bracket that are, I see my friends a lot of times, we've been out of college for about a decade celebrating that they've paid off their college tuition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. But in their college debt. But in Georgia, when I was in school, which is, I think it's still true, you could go for free in state. Yeah. And so I, you know, I just, but leading college, doing college ministry here in Nashville and watching these students having to make choices based on what kind of debt is going to be over them is so scary. I know. Well, it's a ridiculous. I mean, the amount of money, I mean, you easily can get up to near, you know, half a million dollars by the time you're done with some of these schools. Oh, so it's, that it's would in, make me pass out, Jenny, if I had that much debt over my head. Well, that's just it. And undergrad, I mean, really, maybe a Harvard would, would fare well for you in your life, but right. most, most schools that you're paying a lot of money for, I don't know that it's, you know, so we're, we're letting him, we're not squelching his dreams other than the occasional crying session I have with him that probably feels <laughs> a little crying, bit like that. <laughs> Which one of you is crying in that crying session? I need, to, I need to read a book about this, like how to be a cool mom your senior <laughs> year. Like I am, I am obviously failing. I mean, he's had to like pat me on the shoulder so many times and say, mom, I'm not leaving yet. I'm just a junior. But as Aww. of... Thursday, he's a senior and he can't say that yeah. anymore. So then I think I'm in fair grounds for crying. For sure. Do you remember when you left home? Like, do you remember that it's transition so funny from high you school say to that. My mom is in town right now. And we were talking about this last night. And my memory of it was she was glad for me to go. <laughs> yeah. She was like, okay, see you later. Pack you, Pat, here's your car. Okay. Love you, honey. Have fun. Yeah. I don't remember her being like this. And then she totally disputes it. She's like, oh, I, you know, once you were gone, Jenny, I was so sad. But I think I was a pill my senior year. I think I was, I was, you know, busy and all over the place. And I think I, I, I kind of wore my parents out. But I do think I was so ready. I felt so mature. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. I know. I, I was the same way. I think I accidentally made my family crazy, which helped on my senior year, which helped in the leaving. Yeah. And maybe he'll make me crazy. But the problem with him is he keeps getting better with time. Like that right. kid was a punk in middle school. Yeah, but if he's he a dude to to college, and we're girls. Yeah, that might be that's the difference. true. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to kick him out of the house when I was like, go to college now. Like I thought I would yeah. be so excited. But now I love him and like him. And I'm like, oh, darn it. Um, right. It'd be better if we were, you know, you we were troublesome. But right. Sweet. So we don't, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll get sick of him this year. Maybe that will be my saving grace. <laughs> you should do the opposite of Ann Boss Camp and keep like a list of a thousand things that makes you crazy about your son in your kitchen. I'll look back on that fondly when he's gone. Like, oh, look, yeah, that's right. Bad. Yeah. Oh, oh that's crazy. right. He left his socks everywhere. Oh. I'm so glad he's gone. Okay. But okay, <laughs> let me tell you, Annie, I'm, I'm guessing our podcast could go this way. Like we can literally go wherever we want. Is this how this goes? Literally. Okay. I love it. Um, so I was watching World War II movies. The last, uh -huh. I watched Hacksaw Ridge. I, I watched Gone with the Wind again. Can you believe that? Oh, it's uh, so good. I know. I watched that on Mother's Day. So I've seen these two movies within a week of each other. And it was the best thing I did for this issue of sending my son to college. Because really, it changed my perspective. I was like, I'm sending him not to war. Like all those moms had to send their 18-year-old sons to war. It broke my heart. Yeah. I think that was my dramatic way of like getting a grip into this. That's fascinating. That's a fascinating way to look at it. Like, because to be fair, there are moms. I know a mom that I love very much whose son is in the armed forces. And when she sends him back to Alaska, 
Yeah. Right? Or when they get deployed, you're right. I think about that sometimes with my baseball players, Jenny, because when they leave Nashville, they're gone for six months. Mm. And I have to be like, I know it feels like they're deployed, but they are not. (laughs) They're playing professional baseball. (laughs) Like the most dangerous thing they do is baseballs thrown at their bodies. Let's talk about it. They're not at war. Because you know how much I love discipleship. It's it's like the thing that I think about all the time and believe in so deeply. And I love how you've uniquely done that for different people. Like how, what does that look like for you with those boys? I just think that is so cool how you've invested in their life. Uh, Well, they're, you know, they're truly, they're one of the greatest gifts I've ever received from the Lord, I think. But, you know, like for this summer, what we're doing is She Reads Truth has a plan on Romans. She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth is doing Romans. And so because they offer a male and a female plan that go hand in hand, that's what that's what we're doing this summer. So there we're all reading it together and then we're FaceTiming about once a week to talk about it. While they're gone. Yeah. So that's um, what it looks like when they're on when the season is on. Go back to how this came about. Or have you already said this on your podcast? Yeah. Uh I don't remember. I probably have, but I don't I'm I love talking I'm just talking to you. So I love talking to you about whatever. Um, you know, it started because they came to Crosspoint used to have a college centric service. Like on Sunday nights, they had a specific service at a different location that was built for college students. And the guy, and I was volunteering for that when I moved home from Scotland in 2012. And the guys came to that. And so that's how I got to know them. And then one Sunday night, one of them said, Hey, can we go to lunch sometime? And I was like, I don't know. I think so. Let me ask. <laughs> I think we could do that. Yeah. I was like, uh, let me ask the college. Cause then I was like, I went to the college pastor and to our pastor and I just kind of said, Hey, or I, this is really out of the box for me. And I recognize that I'm a 30 something single girl and these are 20 year old single guys. And we're, re- you know, how, how do we handle this really well? And do you remember, Jenny, it was when you and I were with Chris Kane yeah. in, in Orlando or wherever we were in Florida, that next January, January of 13 is when Chris really kind of stuck it to me of like, you've built all these boundaries that God hasn't given you. You need to ask God what the boundaries are for the, for this discipleship relationship and move forward like that under your authority with the boundaries God's given you. Cause I would, I'd put up all these like very extreme boundaries for good, for safe purposes. Cause I wanted to be above reproach in every way. Um, but I was, I probably went a little crazy on the boundary side. And so once we loosened up and, and yeah, just kind of listened to God, it made for really open, beautiful friendships with a lot of these guys and they brought their friends along. And, um, so that's how I got to know. I mean, imagine the thank yous you're going to get from their wives one day. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) Do you know, I actually, there is one wife who you would love. Her name is Megan Miller. She's an incredibly good writer. We'll link to her blog in our show notes. But you know, when Megan's husband, Brian, when they had just started dating, he asked me if she could intern for me. And, and during this, during the semester when she was interning for me, she, they got engaged. They got engaged when at the very last game of the world series, when the Vanderbilt Commodores won the world series in baseball. And then he proposed on the field. That is magical. I lost my mind. As you can imagine, I lost my mind, but yeah, so I get to, I, I get to be in relationship with a lot of the women that are in their lives, which I totally love because I want, I want to be a part of their team you know, and making, helping them. But that's what you do. I mean, that's what you do full time. I feel like Jenny is disciple a generation of women. 
I had someone say the other day, speak about this for a second. I had someone say the other day, you have, you are not a disciple maker until the people you disciple are making disciples. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Do you think that's true? I agree with that. Yeah, I absolutely, especially, I mean, it's always true, but I would say right now it's a weakness because we've got such a consumer Christian culture. And so we don't, you know, what I've seen is so many women hesitate when they think of themselves as leaders. But the truth is, this is what all of us are that know Christ and have in any way been grown up in our faith. And and by grown up, I literally mean know him (laughs) and and know his ways of walking. So I think that, that the power of what I see happening right now is that, that that's, that's multiplying and spreading. You know, I mean, this is, we focused on it primarily on the last if, and it was so cool because there was definitely a risk. Just, I watched passion from my pajamas and you know how much I love passion and Shelly and like the work God has done through them. And it's absolutely incredible. I mean, don't you love Shelly Giglio? I just think the absolute world of her. I know. Well, she, yeah, she has been one of those disciples for me, um, for sure, since the beginning for this. And, and when, and so I'm watching it, but they did, you know how they passion, I mean, it's college kids. So they just do the most unbelievable things, you know, every, every, they have the cross lit up in like drones this year. And, and they have, um, you know, like the most incredible just casual, just a casual drone cross. Yeah. (laughs) And they, they, they Skyped with like an astronaut in space, like at the time, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm watching all this and I'm like, uh Oh, and if like, like, uh, we don't have an astronaut for if (laughs) if is a month later. And we have really done the whole, like, let's platform everyday people making disciples, like Coach yes. Tucker, I don't know if you got to see some of this, but it was yes. it was I a mean, risk. And Jill Briscoe. Jill Briscoe. Nobody had heard of her. And so I And now her stuff feeling, cannot stay on Amazon. And so I'm sitting there thinking, oh, oh, like I felt that moment of pressure that I think we all do. And and Shelly and Louie are a blet bang God. Like that's where God's leading them and God's using it. But that wasn't what God had taken me on. And specifically this year it was the opposite direction, right? It was it was right. people nobody had heard of. And I was like, oh what's going to happen, you know? And it was so cool because people responded unbelievably to that. And, and in fact, people said this was the best if ever. And it, it was comforting to me to go, okay, we are craving discipleship. We are craving how to do this in the real world, how to work it out. What does it look like in the everyday? Um, and, and that was encouraging to me because I think what, what that was a sign of is they're craving what they need. And that means that yes. they're making disciples and they need the trench work. They need the help right. in the trenches. And, and I think that's an exciting time for all of us that are in public ministry, because we, we can view our lives and jobs as we're building tools for all these people in trenches where we're helping give them what they need while they're in the trenches. And it gives a real, um, sobriety and a responsibility to us that are building tools and, and leading people to help them because they're, they're doing it and they're making disciples right. making disciples. And that's a lot of work and that's discouraging. And in this culture, especially it's mundane. There's not, it's not overly celebrated, um, but it's rewarding. And you know that. And I love Annie. One thing I just love about your life is no matter how it's gotten big, you've kept it small. And I've seen you make so many intentional decisions about that. And, and I just have so much respect for you and how you've done that. And I'm having to almost recenter on that because I think it, it all blew up and I, I lost some of the very things that, that were most important. And, and I don't just believe it's most important for my health and my soul. I actually believe it's the most important work. (laughs) Like I actually believe the people you and I are discipling 
life on life, your interns, your the people in your life regularly that I know you focus on, those are probably our our biggest kingdom moment. Yeah. I mean, that's, I say a lot. I think the Lord did this to me early because he knows my um, tendency to be the opposite. But from the beginning, it felt like the Lord kind of put on me when, when I'm standing in front of him, he is not going to ask me how many books sold. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And I'm grateful that people connect with the, the words that I write and it is my job and I have the most fun doing it. But what what I think the Lord's going to ask me about is how did I treat the people that were right in front of mm, me? Yep. And the ability to multiply your impact is much greater face to face, right? Though I'm though again, I'm so grateful for people who read the books and that show up when I'm speaking on a stage and all that stuff, but but yeah, that I think your local ministry, not you being you Jenny, but you as a human, local ministry is what makes a space for you to have a bigger spot or bigger is not the right word. Do you know what I mean? Well, what's the, what's yeah, the better word? I mean, okay. So if we view ourselves as tool builders, right? Like we're, yeah, we're all serving. We're all in service. I feel that. I mean, I love that. I think that's why, you know, the other day I texted you and said, hi from the trench. Like I do yeah. feel like I feel that on a given day. I, I know you feel that. I know a lot of us feel that we're, we're waving at each other. There's a deep friendship in the trenches of ministry. And so if yeah. we view it as service, you know, then, then what happens is we're serving people, real people, and those people need certain things. And we're hopefully bringing those and they come in different forms, right? Like your readers, yeah. your podcast, this is so fun, by the way, your podcast is so Thank different you. than other ones I've been on and you're meeting a need and, and reaching people. It's just, it's cool. It's like we're, it, we're, we're functioning as a big team versus like, oh, here's the people that have really arrived or achieved something. It just oh, is gross. such a. I know. Oh. I don't ever want people to feel that. That feels so gross to me. It's so, and it's so not true, right? It, it, it's not oh, true in God's Lord. economy at all. Um, no. And so, I mean, as I say a lot on the podcast, I feel like I've bought my counselor a boat or two, right? Oh. Like, <laughs> I do not have it all figured out. I have not arrived anywhere. Right, and and I think yet yeah, you are building things that people connect with and grow from and and relate to and that encourage them in their faith and and so I think. Yeah, I think it's a, it always probably will be an extension of where we are doing life and ministry right in front of us, hopefully. Yeah. And I think if you, and this has taken me time to learn, so definitely you know that about me. But the other thing that's great about loving where you serve locally is that if the other stuff goes away, you still love where you serve locally. That's right. You know, and that's why having for me and I know everybody doesn't feel going to church that I know every Christian doesn't love going to church. But for me, it's important for me to feel like my local church is my home, because if I end up working at Michael's cutting fabric sometime soon, I still want to have ministry in my local church that really matters and that I feel called to. And so and so that's the other reason I love it is it's a little bit of a fail safe to keep me from being sure that I'm a big deal (laughs) and being sure that the the most important thing ever is, is how many this or how many that? And I'm like, no, no, no. Do I like answer the phone when they call me at 2am? Right. Right. Yeah. So, but they're both important. I hope that comes across. I mean, I know you and I know that, but to my friends that are listening, I hope that comes across right, that they're both really important to me, but man, I just want to be good to my friends, whether those friends are on the other side of a podcast or the other side of a table. Exactly. Yes. And yes. And I think the real life part of it. I think everybody gets that. Like this is, um, we are, you get lonely, you get isolated in front of a computer. You can, you can give your life 
to just the building of tools or just the writing and, and lose the heart of it all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons that you and I both prioritize fun. We do. I'm so thankful for you about that. Yes. I mean, Jenny, you've got to tell everybody about your year of fun. It was one of my most favorite things. Well, it's cool because right now, of course, the big thing is the Enneagram, right? Which you're a seven. Okay. You're going to die, Annie, but I'm a a seven, eight. And (gasps) of course you are, but your, your wing, your eight wing must be so heavy. Well, it is. I'm afraid it's just intense with work. But I will yeah. say, like, if you look back at my life, like what mattered to me, because everybody was like, you're an achiever, you get all this stuff done, you're, you're building all these things. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not motivated by accomplishment. I'm motivated by meaning. I'm vo- motivated uh-huh. by experience. I'm motivated by um, memory, by like when I'm dissatisfied with my life, it's because I feel like I'm not sucking the marrow out of life. You know, it's, it, yes. it all needs to like, That is true of you. That's totally true. To, to matter. But the fun part of me, I think got, what was that song? Like put it, put it under a bushel. No. Like, oh the yeah. <laughs> the fun part of you got hidden under, under a, a bushel. bushel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and it was like, no, no, you know, and, I, and that's how I felt when I, you and I talked and, and so I chose fun for a word. And it was hard because at the same time that if is starting at the same time, we adopt Cooper at the same time that our church uh, merges with stone, which was very hard. It was a loss because it just changed a lot of our community and our life. Um, it all happened in the same year. And then, and I started writing and, Oh, wow. That all happened in the same same year. year. And the next year, if started and that, that, and that same year, my best friend, Sarah Henry had a massive stroke. And so it was just a little intense for a few years. No, I mean, I think it was hell. (laughs) Like that, just uh, the number of difficult, hard draining things. And you were writing. Did you say that part? You were also writing. Cause that's when I came to Texas. Yeah. 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 Thanks for that, by the way. So all of those years, I'd say two to three years specifically, were just, I forgot how to have fun. And so I guess it was like a year and a half ago, two years ago, I don't know, um, that I approached January and realized that I didn't laugh anymore. I didn't cry. I was not myself. Um, And definitely at that point, started seeing a counselor, praise God. And um feel like a different person. And really that was the start of kind of nothing to prove where I realized all the weight and heaviness I was carrying with everything and just living more free. So in that same time, I was like, that was my word. In fact, it's my word. It's still my word. I haven't shifted words since because I'm still practicing it. So like it just was the thing. And so it's up on my shelf right now. I'm looking at it. And so that year, so I decided, okay, it's going to be the year of fun. And, and part of me had just started to feel guilty for it because of all the need in the world. And, right. you know, there was just so much suffering around me. There was so much intensity. There was so much struggle. Um, there was so much pressure. And I think I started to feel guilty doing things just for the sake of it being fun. And yet, if you think about who I am as a seven, um, that was, I wasn't experiencing my life. Like I was just. Right. Because no one's asking fives to stop reading because they're suffering in the world. Right. Right. But that is no the one, core and, of, yeah, that's yeah. the core of what makes life meaning, what, meaningful. That's right. That's right. So sevens are, you know, if you don't know the Enneagram, sevens are kind of the, um, what would you describe us as? Enthusiasts. Yes. And the, my podcast listeners, I have two goals for them. I want them to love the Enneagram and love English Premier League soccer. So <laughs> so you're really tapping on one of my big oh, two good. buttons. Glad to help. That, that if I have two go- life goals with That Sounds Fun podcast, you're really working on one of them, and I appreciate it. Well, to it. be fair, it has really changed my life. I mean, 
seeing my weakness that I go to perfection. That's what happens when I break down at the office. When I come in the office and lose my mind over a typo, which is not me. Like I don't, and, and I'm so confused by it because I'm not a perfectionist about anything else. But when I get stressed, all of a sudden, and so that was so insightful to me of when you're under stress, you, you become a perfectionist. And you know why? It's because like, I mean, the core question that sevens are asking is who's going to take care of me? And so for you to walk into a typo means I gave someone else this and they can't handle it. I didn't know that. And now I, that why did yeah. I miss that? I've read the, um, you need to show me some more resources. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, did you read, you read um, Ian Crone's book, The Road Back to You? I did, but I didn't read that in our chapter. Yeah, you should also follow your Enneagram University on in Instagram because she does like every week-ish, she does a whole series, one through nine. So I guess every two weeks, she does a series, one through nine. And one of them is the core question your heart is asking. And seven's core question is who's going to take care of me? And so I see it in myself and I see it in my dad, who I also think is a seven. And I see it in a lot of my seven friends that like, it's not that it, it is that we're perfectionists, but we do that because we think, well, if you can't, I was asking you to take care of me. And if you can't do it, I can take care of me. So I will not get that typo. I will not mess up that calendar. I will not miss that dinner. So if you won't take care of me, I can take it back and do it right. Okay. So if anybody is not sold listening right now on the Enneagram, you need to be sold on it because that is, that literally unlocks something for me because even just, I didn't even know that part and I've read the book and I've read a bit online about it. It is freeing to know why we do what we do. And that is me. I think about the times I've even panicked with Zach where you know, you get in fights and they're no big deal. And then all of a sudden you'll get in a fight and it's the biggest deal in the whole universe. And you can't quite figure out why. And it is that question, Annie. I can think of like our three biggest fights. And I can tell you every one of them was rooted in. Now it wasn't physical. It was, are you going to carry this burden with me? Are you in with me? I don't, I can't carry this alone. You have to help me. And Mm -hmm. that's, Honey, okay, thank you. Yeah, like when I start dating someone, like when I'm at the beginning of a dating relationship, there is so much I don't tell the man. And the count, my counselor and I have come to this place of she's like, you don't do that because you're scared you're asking them to take care of that for you, and they won't. Not that they've said they won't, but my fear is if I tell you this story, I'm asking you to help me carry this, and you're going to say no, and I'm going to feel like I'm the only one who takes care of it. Okay, so can we go to – how do we um... – not do that? <laughs> right. I know, right? That's the question. So the Beth McCord, who runs your Enneagram University, I'm going to have her on the podcast soon, but what, what she would say, her, her, she always goes back to Jesus, and she would say, Jesus carries everything for you. That Jesus was speaking to sevens when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That you do not have to carry this yourself. I am carrying that with you. And also, we sevens have to risk that we will not be taken care of because we won't be, you know, like the problem with your greatest fear is it's usually because it's true in a lot of ways, right? Is anyone going to take care of me? Sixes are always asking, am I safe? Well, sometimes you are, but sometimes you're not. And what do you do with that? What do you do with the reality of that? And so, so for me, when I walk into who's going to take care of me, I mean, all my issues, really, Jenny, all my issues trace back to this is Annie trying to take care of herself because she feels like no one takes care of her. Yeah. That just makes me want yeah. to wrap you up and take care of you, Annie. But I also oh, know thanks. that that's not the answer, right? Like we can't right. do that for each other. Right. And had I gotten married at 20, this proves how much healthier you are than me. Had I gotten married in my 20, probably at 20 or 21, I would have been a spider monkey on somebody. Mm-hmm. 
right? I would have been like, why, wait, why are you not? Why are you not? I need you to be. And I would have gripped him so tight that you I just did a lot of counseling. <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot. I mean, I, like I said, I bought her a boat, right? right? right. <laughs> I mean, I've put a lot of money in, but, and every Enneagram number can dig this deep into there. That's the thing about the Enneagram is it tells you, it doesn't just tell you who you are. It tells you why you are who you are. Mm. Yeah, it has changed. It's changed my life. And, and so back to the year of fun. So we, you know, I hired, uh, not really, because I never paid you, Annie, as my fun coach. Um, <laughs> so that's how the year of fun started. Is you called me and said, I've got to have fun this year. Coach me. <laughs> yes. I forgot how, Annie. I mean, I forgot how. I forgot. I forgot that it was such a part of me. I was just, I was dead on the inside for crying out loud. Like it just did, it did, it, life had just beat me up at that point. And, and so and even the fun things that were supposed to be fun weren't fun anymore, right? Like ministry. I mean, that that is, are you kidding me? If gathering's one of the most fun things I've ever done in my entire life, also one of the heaviest if you try to carry it by yourself, you know? And so what I've learned is, one, that there's, um, God does not need for me to overachieve here to do something. That's not how it started. That's not what is going to get it to go. And that it's not wrong to have fun. And so I call you. And I did, I, I think it was both in the, the big, I mean, I definitely did some things that year that were big fun. I mean, it, and honestly, God just provided those things from friends that rented a place in New York and invited me and just. I know I was amazed how, how everything, it's almost like a cyclone of fun happened around you all true. of a sudden. It was, it was weird. And it came to me a little bit because I didn't even know what to do. And then, uh, and then there were the just little, little things of, I remember you texted me one day when I'd gotten ice cream truck had come and, you know, and we got ice cream. I mean, it was, it was little things and it was, um, building space and time to celebrate and, and do things without purpose that just for the purpose oh, of having fun and enjoying life. And, and that, and that's for any, I don't think that's just a seven Enneagram thing. I think we call it fun, but the truth is everyone should enjoy life without a important purpose around it at times, you know? Just like do what you love for a little bit just because you love it. And so nothing to prove kind of came out of that, came out of you walking through that. Yeah, that was a big part of it. And it was just waking up again and enjoying my life and, and drinking it in and not missing it and and not feeling. And I think what I realized, it started out, the book started out as numb um, and because that's what I felt. And then it, it what I realized later was this is, this is not the issue of numb is just a symptom. And the real problem was that I was trying to shoulder so much on my own and in my own strength. And again, I, I mean, I've, I've been to seminary. I know my Bible. It's not an issue of knowledge. It was an issue of belief. It was an issue of believing that God was going to take care of me. Annie, you're changing my life. I feel like I've been in counseling. Um, that <laughs> question is so powerful. You have it. <laughs> It is. Listen, I ask it. I work through that all the time. That is the one I really take to God of, okay, I know you, you launched this thing. It was obviously you, we couldn't have done this. All of us, you know, like meaning if, yeah. But then it was, are you here? Like, hello, (laughs) are you still here? Did you just leave it to, to, for us to have to slave under and make it happen going forward? And of course he hasn't. And he's continued to show up and provide in such a loving way in all parts of life. Yeah, that's right. And so the book is nothing to prove and the Bible study is proven. 
tell me the difference in the two. What made you change the name? Because I'm I'm way simpler than you. I'm like looking for lovely the book, looking for lovely the study. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. I could have, but it was two different things. And I didn't want people to think it was, I actually wrote the study first. Okay. I did too. Do you do it better that way? I do not do it better that way. I do. I think in oh. study, I, it helps me be linear. And, and then I've done all the research, right? To, to, because Bible study is harder. I mean, you have to lead people to the water rather than give them water. And they are so hard to and write. So, yeah, that, that's a longer, harder process. So the research I do it and the development of that, and I used all that in the book, but it was on, so it was on the book of John, but the study is pretty different. And so I didn't want to mislead that it's just based on the book. In fact, it's connected to some of the chapters or connected to some of the topics in the book, but it, or the study, but it is built separately to, to function as an independent study. So, so yeah, the topic of it though is similar in that we're, we're seeing how it is that Jesus does meet our need. And and I want to meet that Enneagram coach too, because that's what, that's what the book is, is basically these, these desires and needs we have that we keep going to broken cisterns for, he actually is going to meet it where I think for a long time, it was just a general statement of God provides. Well, how does he provide? And when you looked at Jesus's life in the detail at the wedding, and he didn't just provide wine, he provided the very best wine and it was his first miracle. So, you know, there was a lot to that. I mean, it wasn't just about the party. It was also about the symbolism that would come and, and the miracle of man. I do not think about that enough, Jenny, that he didn't just provide. I mean, I know I've heard the story taught a zillion times as anyone has that grew up in church, that that was his first miracle, that when they brought it out, they thought that the host of the wedding had saved the best wine for last, but I actually have never thought about that Jesus doesn't just provide good. He provides the best. Yeah. And, and the, that it was the picture of his death and, and the the cup he would hold at the end. And, and so there was so much to it. And, and I think what I realized was, oh gosh, this is, didn't it's just like our relationship with Jesus. Like there's so much to it. It's so layered. Like he's not just providing the immediate need for my friend that had a stroke. We just went to her house yesterday and um, and she still can't speak. So I went with her and we had a meeting with the designers and it's not just the house, it's the neighbors. It's the relationship she's going to have with other kids on the street. And that just so happened. I mean, it's just so layered his provision and, and it's what we see. And it's the th- stories we don't know. It's the things that'll happen 10 years from now from the things that look like just, you know, oh, he saved the day with providing that one thing. It's like, yeah. no, he's, he's God. So he can do a lot with, in his care for us. And and I'm learning to trust that and to believe that if it, and to not idolize anything. So if, if, if he wants, you know, if to continue, if he wants all of this to go, he will make sure it does. And I can do the work faithfully without carrying the work on my shoulders to the point of, you know, it's, it's true. It's like, what do I believe? Do I believe he is capable and able in carrying this? Or do I believe I have to? And make things happen. Right. I mean, with me, it is way less, is he capable? And it's, is he willing? You know, that's the truth I have to cling to all the time. It's not, I know he can do it. I know the size of God, right? (laughs) I know what he can do. It's, it's what if he doesn't, you know, or what, like, what do I do if, if his choice is different than the choice I wish he was making? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's all, I mean, that all wraps up in that same thing of what is his provision look like and what does his kindness really look like, which is what I'm, so all this is really good for me to hear you process. Cause it's what I'm writing about now too. And like, 
how do we call his kindness kindness if it doesn't look with like the story we were writing? And that's what you've seen with if and with your life. I mean, you didn't write that your son would look at Ivy League schools, right? Well, that's yeah, that that would be one of the lesser stressful things. But yes. Right, 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 right. It's just a, 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 a normal example. Yeah, I, right? I'm with the younger two right now and, and drowning in special needs. And yeah, there's there's a lot of heavy and and but I but I do feel like I, I've learned not to try to make sense of it as much. And yeah, I think oh, about that's good. the shack Say that. um the movie. I just watched that movie and but there's there's some gold in there and and one of it was when he gets on the throne to or the judgment seat to make decisions because he thinks he knows how things should go. And he quickly realizes, oh, this is more complicated than I realized. And and I think that that's what I've no, I've been telling myself lately is, do you really want this job to be God? Like, do you, do you, because- <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's what you need to say to Annie sometimes. It's like, Annie, I mean, do you really want the job of deciding how this goes? Yeah. I don't think you, you do. You don't, you don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I texted our friend Mike Foster yesterday from People of Second Chance, because I'm quoting him in my, in one of my, the books I'm working on. And his, what he said the other day on Twitter is life is messy, hard, and weird. We don't need to act surprised anymore. Amen. Right? Like, that is going to be the rest of our time on this planet. Yep. And there's so and much freedom in like just embracing that. Yeah. And not being so surprised or disappointed when it all disappoints us. Because I do I, I do feel like that has brought a lot of back to fun. I feel like that brings me a lot more joy um, in the midst. Because I've realized there's no untangling the complications we're facing right now. Like, there's no... Um, there's no like light at the end of the tunnel with some of the difficulties we're facing. And, and I wish there were, but there's not. And, and so do I carry the weight of all these stresses and needs around me or do I learn to have fun and enjoy in the midst of it? And it's, it's a choice. It's a discipline. Yeah. That's what, you know, I, I met with my editor this morning and she said, Annie, I've real I in this one part of your book where you talked about fun, I really need to find more of that in my life. And I said to her, This is why I'm always late on deadlines, because I find fun every day. <laughs> so I'm late on deadlines. <laughs> you are good at this. I know. What's your view on it, Annie? But I I want to hear that. Like you're I've never heard you say your view on that. On fun? Yeah, just the priority of it and the joy of life. Like what Yeah, I just think that life is, I mean, it's a lot like what Mike Foster said. I think life is surprisingly hard and it shouldn't be surprisingly, right? It's just going to be hard. And so because life is hard and that's okay, that's not a problem. I mean, we are going to toil as long as we're on this planet and tragedy is going to happen as long as we're on this planet. But we also get to find beauty and fun. And so I do every day, Jenny. I mean, like I'm really intentional about when I wake up, that's one of the first things I think about is like, okay, what's going to be fun today? Because I know that the hard is going to come and it might surprise me or I might already know there's going to be a hard conversation today. I have hard work today. I have to do a workout that I don't want to do and that's going to be hard. I have to make choices I don't like. That's going to be hard. What can I look forward to that's fun? So I'm not sure. I'm doing a lot of thinking and writing on it just for myself. I can't wait to read it. Looking forward of going like, well, thank you. I, but I'm, I'm just kind of thinking, like, how do we teach our friends how fun can be holy? Not in like a 
don't listen to dirty comics, listen to clean comics. I'm not talking about that, but I mean, like, really how seeking out fun can bring you closer to God. Because I think it does. I mean, I feel like that's what I saw. You were you were set free that year for a lot of reasons. But choosing fun, I think, really helped because things stop being so important if you'll just go outside and have fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it brought back who I am. It brought back energy and motivation to do everything we do. I mean, yeah, it's serving all the purposes. You know, it's not, it definitely is not just an excuse. It's, it's servicing you know, and again, it doesn't need to have a purpose, but it does have a purpose. It, it brings, yeah. and I think so much of it is rooted in what holds us from that, right? Like, I think everybody would say, yes, I want to have fun. They would like to wake up that way, but they don't know, you know, how to stop worrying or they don't know what it looks like to, and I think that's what I had to go on. The journey I had to go on was what does it look like that's to right. take this heavy, you know, I called it a backpack in the book and take this off and like hand this over. And I realized, gosh, it was already handed over. I mean, he was already carrying it, whether I was striving under it or not was, you know, was not, it was irrelevant of the that fact was not that a he God was, problem. yes, he was, he had it, he had it before, he had it. whether I was worrying about it or not, it was cared for. So what did it look like when you let it go? Oh gosh. I mean, I, I literally feel free. I'm so much more free. I can't even describe how different everything is. Um, and I'm not saying there's not hard things and things we're processing and, and trying to decide and work through, but there's not this constant anxiety that I had and, and fear and exhaustion. I'm slowing down. I feel like I say no more. I make more mistakes. I let more people down. I mean, I think those go hand in hand. I think feeling free to be you means that people get let down more, unfortunately. It's true. And I, I think I've, learn to keep my eyes kind of, okay, God, are we good? Like, where is holiness for me? What is, what does it look like to repent? What does it look like to be right with people, with you? But then to not frantically try to solve all the problems everywhere, you know, like to obey versus drive and make everything happen myself. That's good, Jenny. Okay. So our last question that we always ask on the podcast, which fits perfectly here. Because the podcast is called That Sounds Fun, we always ask my friends who are on with me, what sounds fun to you right now? Ooh, good question. See, this is a good discipline. I got I to gotta think. Um, so my mom's in town, and that really is fun. I think yeah. one of the things I've realized is my sisters, my family, my closest friends, they're so life-giving to me. And so getting more time with them. Um, so my mom's here. We're going to take my daughters at my daughter's birthdays this week. We're going to take them up to the cutest little shopping center and walk around and eat together. And I have a babysitter for it. Like I had to plan ahead so that we could do this and it'll be great. I'm so excited and hopefully it won't rain. I'm looking outside and yeah, that today will be such a little gift. Yeah. Do you know that I've come around to, to that realization in the last maybe eight months is how much my friends, kids are that for me too. Right. And so I try to see someone's kids every day because if I can just play with them for like 25 minutes or 30 minutes, it is so life-giving for me. Oh, Annie, I wish you lived next door. <laughs> oh, I do too. Do you know how much fun we would have? I would take the girls to get our nails done. Me and Cooper would play outside. I mean, yeah, I would love it. Yeah. You are, you are life-giving girl. I mean, that's it. It's oh, just, wow. how do you, how do you get out from the the trench and look around and enjoy what, what we're fighting for, right? Like what, what, what all these important things are for. So 
That's right. And, don't you know, we work so hard. When you work so hard, if you don't take a break, you will burn out. That's what everybody says. But the taking of the break and the finding the fun and doing what you're doing today and me going to go hang out with some of my friends' kids today, that is like the gift side of the hard work. It is. Right. And you go, man, I can I can take a break because I finished writing a book yesterday or I finished a talk I was supposed to finish. I did. I finished editing a project that comes out in October. Yeah. Annie, congrats. That was a big moment. Thanks. I know. I was sitting at my friend Zana. Zana turned three yesterday. And so all my friends were out at the birthday party. And one of the husbands says, what'd you do today? I was like, you know what? I finished a book today. That is the best feeling. It's yeah, like when we used to drive away feeling. from finals at the end of college, you know, like that's exactly right. That's exactly what it feels like. I know. And we, that's why I had breakfast with my editor this morning, Jenny, because I said to her, she was like, how soon can you get this last round of edits to me? I was like, hey, if you'll put a breakfast on the calendar for both of us, it will get done before it. Because if I have to look you in the face, I'll hit a deadline. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. I love it. So anyway, hey, thanks for being on the podcast and for being my friend. You are I, I know you know this, but you are such a um, gift to our generation of women and men. But really, you are such a gift to us. I'm so grateful for your courage. And I mean, you know, I feel honored that I've gotten to watch from the very beginning of you dreaming up if and see you take some hard hits and and do some brave things. And and I just think whoever was discipling you is going to have a lot of crowns in heaven. Mm, Thank you, friend. So I love you. I'm grateful for you. Love you too, girl. I love that woman, y'all. Absolutely love her. If you have never been involved with the IF Gathering and you are female, I would hugely encourage you to follow IF on Instagram, Twitter. Our lovely intern turned employee, Hale, will link to everything for you on my blog and in the show notes so that you will be able to find all these links. We didn't even give her a mystery one this time. Sorry, Hale. We don't have like a mystery link for you to find. But IF Gathering, you can get together all the IF Gathering links. And make sure you join us in February, either in Austin for the actual IF Gathering 2018 or at an IF Local, which I totally love. I'm actually a big fan of the IF Locals, where you gather with your community and watch online and stream it as it goes. I think that is super fun. I hope you will join us. And make sure you check out Jenny's book, Nothing to Prove. Who knew that she came up with all that, was wrestling with all that in her year of fun? I did not even realize that I was part of the coaching of that. What can I say, you guys? I'm just a fun coach. (laughs) As I said in the podcast, I am going to head out and go hang out with some of my friends' kids before I go to a concert tonight. I'm so excited. Somewhere in there, I'm also going to write for the new book. I promise I will get some work done today besides recording the podcast. But that is what sounds fun to me. Hey, if you need to find me on the internet before I go, I'm easy to find Annie F. Downs, F as in fancy, is my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere you need me. That is how you can find me. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode of That Sounds Fun. Because listen, if I'm here for anything, I'm here to make sure you're having a little more fun every week. So I am so glad to join you on your Thursday, on your Friday, on your weekend, whenever you get a chance to listen. I hope you have a great day. And hey, make sure you go out today and do something that sounds fun to you. It really, really matters. I hope that is a big takeaway you have from today, that fun actually really matters. And I hope you have some of it today. Have a great day and I will see you next week.